Hello, everyone. Happy Friday. Happy November. Happy end of your week. And happy Miami Miked Up Day as we bring you a brand new episode of Bally Sports Miami Miked Up with me, Jeremy Taché, here on this Friday. Uh, there have been a number of episodes of this show that have been sort of awe-striking for me that have been really, really special. But this one might take the cake uh, in some sort of unique ways, and and I will explain why. Today, we celebrate the 20-year anniversary of the very first episode of ESPN's Around the Horn. Around the Horn has been one of my favorite shows since I was a little kid. Uh, it is a show that actually, in watching Tony Reale, helped inspire me to work in sports media but really, and to be honest, more importantly, Around the Horn holds a special place in my heart because I was an intern with Around the Horn back in the summer of 2016, and I was lucky enough to work with all of the people you're about to hear from, the production staff of Around the Horn. And this is a show probably all of you have been watching for the last 20 years. It's been a staple of sports television um, with some of the best and the brightest voices, including, again, host Tony Reale. But... The people that you don't hear from often are the people behind the scenes who help make this show what it is. And when I say that, I tell you from firsthand experience, these people do it the right way and they create such a wonderful family environment for everybody that comes through the show, whether you're a panelist, whether you work for the show or whether you're an intern like I was. They made me feel like part of the family and in a large way taught me everything that I know about how to make good television, how to make good sports media, because I went into working with them very much a deer in the headlights, um, and, and they were so gracious in sort of steering me in the right direction, helping me learn, helping Caroline, who you hear from, who was an intern with me, learn initially. And it's just really a wonderful, wonderful staff um, and a wonderful group of people who I feel fortunate to call my friends. So as we celebrate 20 years of Around the Horn, I wanted you all to be able to hear some of the stories from behind the scenes, some of the thought process on how the show has evolved, and really take a dive into what has made this show work for two straight decades on ESPN and continuing its ride into the future. So enjoy this episode as we celebrate 20 years of ESPN's Around the Horn. And now on this very special episode of Miami Miked Up, I'm so honored and humbled to bring in this group of four people right here who have had a huge impact on my life, but we will get to that uh, later on. This is the production crew here of ESPN's Around the Horn. We have Caroline, Josh, Aaron, and Jeff, based off the order in which I'm reading on my screen here. Um, but guys, I do want everybody to uh, get to recognize your voice and know you. So I'm actually going to have you all introduce yourselves and give just your name, uh, your role, and how long you've been with Around the Horn before we get started. So in the order I just said it, Caroline, why don't we start with you? Sure. Wouldn't want anyone to get my and Jeff's voices confused. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm Caroline Willett. I work here on the production crew at Around the Horn, and I do research and social media for the show. So I've been working here for about five years now. Josh? I'm Caroline Will. No, I, <laughs> I'm Josh Bard. Uh, I am a producer on the show, and I've been here since 2006. So that's basically 16 years. Aaron? I am Aaron Solomon. I am the coordinating producer of said show, and I have been here since the birth of it in 2002. So all 20 years, baby. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> and Jeff, to you? I. 
Hi, I am Jeff Weiner. I am editor and visual superstar of the show. I've been here for 12 years. Amazing. All right. Well, so everybody has different time they've been here. Everybody has their different role. Um, and for those who skipped past my little intro at the very beginning of this, the reason that we have the Around the Horn production crew here is because on Friday, November 4th, as you are listening to this, it is the airing of the 20-year anniversary episode of Around the Horn, 20 years of this show, which uh, is unbelievable to imagine because I do really remember watching Around the Horn like the very first episode of Around the Horn. Um, and to think it's been on the air for 20 years is really amazing. So I kind of want to start right there at the very beginning. And Aaron, I guess this will be a place that we can start with you since you've been with the show since day one. Um, I just want to know what those initial conversations were like as the show was was being created, as it was about to be launched, th- the concept as the show was being created, and you know what sort of niche you guys wanted to to fill within the sports media market because Around the Horn was something very new and creative. Well, I was uh, originally just an associate producer on the show, um, so a lot of the um, the original creative elements to it um you know the the concept it was uh, created by um uh, you know people out other than me uh-huh. um, but i was in charge of kind of putting the concepts um and make them you know made for tv so you know the, the concept was that we were going to talk to um, sports writers for sports writers from across the country and give their takes in a regional manner so let's say uh, Woody Page in Denver was going to talk about what was hot going on in Denver, Colorado. And, you know, TJ Simers, who was uh, one of our original L.A. guys, he was going to tell us what was happening in Los Angeles. And so it really was kind of it started as sort of a, a you know, a, what's the you know, what's the buzz in each of their regions? And uh, we figured out pretty quickly that that was not the way to go. Right. Right. um, You know, but, but we adjusted on the fly. I mean, you know, there was like the first, I think the first month that we were putting the show together, uh, the higher ups in Bristol were like, "Uh, this isn't ready. This isn't ready yet. So we, we had to, um, you know, kind of make it TV ready and, um, and and really kind of uh, have it evolve a little bit before we were ready to go to air. And even after we went to air, um, it was still a work in progress. And, um, you know, uh, it, we, we were basically alive um, with Max Kellerman as, as right. the host in the first year. And we actually had to reshape the show after Max left after a year into the show. And that's when I took over as producer. And um, it really just kind of w- we changed the show almost completely after Max right. left. Because, you know, when Tony took over as the host, Max kind of wanted the show to be about, you know, to, to be kind of centered around him a little bit. Um, he wanted his hot to give his hot takes on things. And Tony didn't want that. He wanted, you know, to be kind of the catalyst to, to you know, so that everybody could kind of participate. And he, he wanted to be sort of not the Max Keller, the anti Max Kellerman. You know, he wanted to be um, giving everybody else the platform. So. Um, you know, the show continued to evolve. Um, and obviously, it, it's way different than when it started, um, you know, so long ago. 
Right. Well, and, and the show continues to evolve as you guys keep going, whether that's, you know, remaining with that same sort of tone that Tony has brought to it, but obviously continuing to evolve over the years. And so, Josh, I guess I would ask you when when you came in in 2006, as the show was sort of starting to hit its groove, do you think that 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 was the right timing for you to come in? Do you think that that was, you know, a space where the show did have a level level of comfort or was there still more growing to do from there? Well, it's definitely the right time to come in because I was graduating college and I needed a job. <laughs> so, uh, it was the perfect time. For that. Um, uh, yeah, no, I think what Aaron said and like, and you've pointed out the show, just the way it keeps evolving. And I don't mm-hmm. know if there are, you know, like milestone posts or right. if it's just been something that's always happened. I mean, certainly Tony taking over is a big one, but other than that, like, you know, like Aaron said, the idea was newspaper bureaus and now like 20 years later, how do you even get a newspaper, right? Exactly. Like, like how would you get regional newspapers in a place? Like, are there newsstands anymore? I know, obviously you get a newspaper delivered. You can read it online. Um, our panelists now, some of them have never written for a newspaper. I think there's a chance that some of our panels now have never written, you know, a column or pu- had been published writing wise before. And yet it all still works. We, you know, we've, we have adapted as technology has adapted. So I guess like realistically to your question, there is no right time to come in. It's all like you could almost pick points where Aaron and where I and where Jeff and where Caroline came in. And they've always been great points where we've all been adapting to stuff. Right. Well, and that actually can lead right into Jeff, right? Because as time has gone along, as technology has evolved, as information has evolved, you guys have had to produce the show in a different way. And I imagine that comes from a visual element as well. So how have you guys worked from a creative mindset to make sure that, you know, the show is always sort of staying up to date visually um, in, in how you present the show for the viewer? Well, I came in at a very interesting time. I spent two months when we were still in our old studio, AV, where we were shooting in standard death. And I was a part of the transition to come to our new news bureau where we went to HD. So in that sense, technology changed. We went from actually ingesting tapes (laughs) and stopping and starting to sending videos fully digitally and editing on Final Cut Pro is what we started with. And, you know, this was a time when we had a lot of athletes talking on Twitter and we would show tweets on the screen. And this wasn't anything that we were doing in SD. So as the show evolved, it evolved visually with modern technologies, tweets and Instagram posts. And now we're even doing TikToks, which is kind of mind blowing. Um, We've seen vines come and go but we're still here. We've seen a lot of change. That really is the most interesting part about having a show that's been so steady across time, whether it's the way that sports has changed and the discussion that we have around sports and how that's evolved over the last 20 years, or specifically how we get our information with sports. And you see athletes you know, posting stuff on Instagram, on Twitter, on TikTok, whatever it might be. For you, Caroline, um, as the sort of newest member here um, and being someone, you know, you and I are the same age. So growing up with more of, of social media being an influence from the beginning, how have you seen that sort of influence the show and, and how you guys gather information as you do research? Well, yeah, I think it's interesting just hearing these guys talk about the early days. I like mm-hmm. to say BC before Caroline, before I got here. <laughs> I don't quite like, I can't conceptualize how 
we would have done the show before Twitter specifically, like 90% of the information I feel like we come across comes from Twitter. Um, Even today, like we had more of a late breaking news story with Kyrie Irving and getting more reports from the scrum today. Like that's just stuff that you would have to wait until the next day until something was written up. I don't understand how we would do it without Twitter. So it's just, I tell people that most of my job is looking at Twitter all day, but I do enjoy it. It's, it's interesting to see like how sort of the next phase or flow of information will come from there. Yeah. I mean, that, that has to be um, for a show that is, you know, taping just before airing, you know, a couple hours before coming up against when information gets to people has had to have changed the way that you guys produce the show, I imagine, you know, over the span of years. Um, I, I see some nodding heads. So if there is anything that you guys want to say here to, to well, that, feel I have free. a question. I yeah. have a question, Jeremy, if you won't, don't mind me. Uh, like this is for Aaron, because I think you and I made the same face when Caroline said, what do we do before Twitter? Like we would just wait <laughs> till the next day. Not exactly true. Not, <laughs> not totally wrong. Like there are still news wires that would update like three MPS. We used to be really reliant on those Caroline, like the AP wires or the ESPN wires. Mm. But Aaron, like, would you say that before Twitter, when news certainly moved slower, like there was less getting stuck with updating news, right? Would you say that? Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I think that um, a lot of times that, uh, you know, once we had a rundown in, we would be set with that rundown. And, mm-hmm. you know, we could, you know, make changes, um, you know, to what Tony said in a VO. But as far as like changing stories on the fly, like we do now, um, there was much less of that. And I right. think that had a lot to do with the technology, you know, just, you know, social media and things like that. Um, they weren't, it, it just wasn't coming in as quickly. Um, so we actually felt a little more comfortable, um, you know, being set with our rundowns now that's completely changed. I mean, things can come in at, um, you know, as we're sitting down at two o'clock and, you know, a story will cross and, and we'll get it and our panelists will be sitting down and we'll tell them, you know, Hey, we're, we got to switch this up. And we actually did it today with uh, James Harden news. We, we, you know, we found out that he was going to be out a month. Um, and so, you know, we felt like that needed to be in the show. So we actually, you know, put it in the showdown that might not have happened in 2002. <laughs> so, um, you know, it, it's changed quite a bit. I was actually chuckling because trying just communicating with our panelists can be challenging. And, you know, it used to be, I would try to get on the phone and actually have a conversation with them. Now it's just like, I text everything to them. Right. And, you know, and, and that's, that's how we, uh, exchange um, ideas and how they're feeling about topics. It's how we can, you know, tell them about changes. So even that kind of communication has changed over the years. Right. I mean, I, I have to imagine not only is the show has become because there's obviously still such a, a um, effort to make sure that you're representing like each part of the country in the panelists who were there. But everyone is so much more worldly, I guess I would say, in their opinions and their thoughts, because everyone is having to talk about more national conversations than it might have been when the show first started, too. And so communicating on those topics as things break, everybody does have to have an opinion on whatever that might be. And so updating the news becomes more important for you guys Um, with this show specifically. I feel like and and maybe it's Tony, maybe it's 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 an effort here, um, you know, through what you guys have done. But there's always been a heart to Around the Horn. Like there's always been a familial feeling to Around the Horn that even though 
it's a bunch of people who are agreeing or disagreeing with each other. There seems to be an effort to make sure that, hey, we all love each other and this is all in fun. So is that something that that sort of gets discussed behind the scenes to make sure that that's the type of environment, those are the types of panelists, that's the type of, of love you guys are creating? Or, you know, where does that come from? I think there's two pieces to it. Like you said, I think part of it is the relationships behind the scenes between all the panelists and specifically, obviously, Tony, who's not just host of the show, but he's almost hosting the family in that right. sense. Um, and that, I think that is like, look, there are days where our panelists are frustrated with each other, or maybe things get a little, you know, a little heated, but like, I would say that a hundred percent, every, every panelist cares strongly for every other panelist. And, Mm. um, there is, it starts at a place of respect and then moves forward from there. Like, you know, at the bare minimum, there's that. And, And, you know, there are times where there's bickering, but like there's bickering in all families and there's time where there's like excessive love. So I think that's like the first piece of it. And then recently, I think we've become, I don't remember when it happened, but we've morphed into a show that I think tackles some of the harder topics, the ones that you need to have heart for, if if that's also where you're going with it. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I guess sort of increasingly the way sports have changed with everything else, with speed, with technology, it's they've as athletes are in our lives now more we know more about them off the court and good bad what what have you we try to be a voice on those things it's hard to avoid those things you know it's like they they don't make you feel great and they're not necessarily a fun conversation and i don't know you know like there aren't the same high fives you get when you're talking about wins and losses and playoffs and stuff but it's hard to talk about our favorite players if you're not, if you're just going to turn a blind eye to what else is happening there. I would also add that um, you know developing the heart that we have. Um, it kind of all started with the conference call and getting to know them, you know, outside the show, kind of mm-hmm. getting to know them on a personal level, just on a. And now it's a Zoom call, but it used to be a conference call. And, um, and, and that was, and I was, man, I remember my first conference call that I had to lead. I was freaked out. <laughs> I can tell you that right now. I, I, I was like, I, I can't believe I'm presenting stories to these legends in, right. in sports writing, you know, but that, that is really how we got to know the panelists. We got to know their sensibilities. And I, I think also, um, what, what added to the, the family feel to it. And, and I think it's important is that between each segment, and before the show, we, we, we all sit down and we just kind of, you know, we just shoot the shoot the breeze. And, and it doesn't have to be about sports. I mean, you know, you've seen the Kevin Blackstone get off my lawn takes, you know, where, you know, he doesn't like where people park um, in front of his house or something like that. Right. And, and, and that's kind of like, you know, we, we play that out in real time in between segments. And, you know, th- there are times when we're talking that out. Um, in between segments and Kevin's like, I'm going to make that my FaceTime. And so there, there is the heart of the show. And that's what we're, you know, that's what we're shooting for. I was just going to say so much of it comes from Tony too. I think anybody that, you know, follows him on Twitter or watches him on the show can tell that he wears his heart on his sleeve and really takes pride in vulnerability. And I think that provides like a really nice framework when we are talking about those tougher subjects that Josh was mentioning. So I think that's such a big part of the show too. 
It certainly. Um, and, and to watch it evolve has also been interesting, right? Because that, like Josh, like you mentioned, it has been sort of mandated by the fact that we hear so much more from athletes now. We hear their opinions. We know their lives. And so in turn, there's just bigger, more human conversations that are coming toward the sports world, whether that's because of those athletes or because of our willingness to talk about them. And having Tony as the host doing that, you know, he's had moments where he's gone and talked about his own mental health you know, or or whatever else and using this show as a platform for that, it's been fun to sort of watch that evolve over time. Um, but when we talk about those in-between moments, in-between production, those conversations, um, I think people would really love to to sort of see that peek behind the curtain and, and they get to through what you guys post on social media. Um, and I don't know that if anybody listening to this really understands the timing there of where all of these moments come from, all these side conversations happening in between the show. Um, Caroline and Jeff, I don't know if the, the roles are still the same as when I was there, but um, when cutting those social media uh, clips and thinking about the conversations that happen in between, what do you guys, you know, what what sort of triggers you to go, oh, that's something I want to share on social media of a conversation that's just happened, you know, in between recording segments? Um, I think, I think we know them when we hear them. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I mean, they'll just go on long tangents before the show. And it was a couple of years ago that we had a conversation with some people, um, involved in the social media department at ESPN, where they told us we like really needed to narrow these down because we were sharing like four second clips because it, <laughs> it is interesting stuff or just to hear them like ramble on about their favorite condiments and get into heated arguments about that or just drop like these like really just insane personal sports stories like bob ryan memorizing crazy dates of these baseball games that he saw 50 years ago um or woody just casually mentioned that he was like bros with elvis back in the day like there's always something that they're pulling out of their sleeve that's interesting so it's never the sports topic that's the most watched, most viewed clip. It's always something out of left field, like the best burger or the greatest American rock band or just these dumb debates that you have with your friends when you're sitting around. That's exactly what we're having when we're sitting on set and everyone's just feeling comfortable and loose and it creates a good energy leading into the show. Yeah, I think the big hit last week was Pablo arguing that it's okay to fart on an airplane. That one was the one that got a lot of I play. missed that one, and that is controversial. <laughs> that's, a, that's a very controversial I don't take. know if it's... I mean, it's controversial. It's not really a debatable issue. Yeah, it's really exactly. just, it's just a controversial... <laughs> right, right. That's exactly what it is. Well, it's it's cool to, to know that those are the moments that stand out, right? Because I think that when I talk about you know the heart that the show has... That comes from those moments, like you said, Aaron, where it's because everyone is so comfortable and just feeling like they're hanging out with each other that when, you know, the light turns red and you're recording and you're talking about sports, it's that same energy that you're bringing from that sort of family conversation that's happening off camera. A question that everybody always has is about the the scoring system. Um, so sure. what I want to know is, has there ever been any conversation ever about creating an official scoring system that is hey these are the textbook things that you can do to score points or can we just get a peek behind the curtain on um how the scoring actually works on around the horn jeff you want to start this yeah so uh in preparation for our 20th anniversary and the special we have coming up i've watched a lot of old tape 
And when Max used to host, he used to start off with, here are the rules of the show. And he would say, five points for a good point. Uh, if I mute you, that's minus five points. And the way it used to work is the amount of points you had allotted the seconds you had for FaceTime at the end. So initially, there were rules. And it would start up with a, a whole graphic of saying all the rules. But that is long gone. Yeah, clearly that's changed over. Was that just a Tony deciding he didn't want to have to follow uh, some sort of set and guidelines? What, what, what happened here? Yeah, I think, I think that's what it was. I think, uh, <laughs> you, you know, he, he wanted to be able, he wanted the freedom to score how he wanted. Now that has, uh, you know, that's become quite the monster, I yeah. think, because, <laughs> you know, nobody seems to understand the scoring system, including myself. We have we have talked. Um, I know I've mentioned to Caroline. Should we put together some sort of rule book um, it, that has you know? I have mentioned that to Caroline. I've also mentioned to Caroline whether we should at least so that they have some working um, you know uh, of the banned words that Tony and, and that and that changes from week to week. Of course. So we we've, we've discussed at least have some sort of rule book so they know the banned words, but the scoring system. I mean, that, that's a major segment on this 20th show. Nobody seems to know. Yeah, I think that's actually something professional sports leagues get wrong. Don't put out a rule book. Nobody needs to know anything or else we're going to be litigating it all the that's time. That's what I'm saying. This way we have no <laughs> issue with referees. Nobody's concerned about what the final yeah. score is because ultimately there's no real way of being able to calculate it. Yeah, here's the last minute report. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Exactly. I was going to say, you could go on, you, know, you can um, see our replies on every show or the, re the audience response on every show. And there is at least five tweets saying, well, how does Tony score the show? Yep. So that'll never change. I will say when I got here a couple of years ago, I started building out our stat keeping a little bit. And I have run the numbers a couple of times to see if there's any sort of pattern or clue into how Tony keeps score. Maybe if he's heavy handed on Mondays or Fridays or what have you, nothing, nothing, it's all just like so sporadic across the board. Just go with the flow. That's hilarious. You would think there'd be splits, right? Like early in the week on Mondays. All right. Or Friday, yeah, like you said, he's ready to get out of there. Let's just get the scoring up. No, nothing. That's hilarious. I picture Caroline in your house. There's like one of those big uh, cork boards with like string everywhere. <laughs> exactly. The Charlie Day, always sunny. <laughs> Yeah, just trying to figure it out. Well, okay, so that's it on the scoring. Um, I'm I'm sure fans will be happy to hear the explanation or lack thereof um, <laughs> about about the way that that works. Um, well, and in going in theme of just sort of alternate episodes, um, Horn-a-ween, uh, having Halloween on Around the Horn is always one of my favorite things. Obviously, it just happened a few days ago, and, and you guys just always go all out. Um, when... When was the first conversation about like, okay, we are, this is going to be our holiday that we're going to go all out on and have panelists dress up. Was there a panelist who, who said at first, Hey, this is something I want to do. And that sparked it. How did, how did around the horn on Halloween become such a big thing? I, I'm actually kind of stumped on that one. Jeff, do you even remember when our first Halloween show was? Or d does it even? Yeah. From looking at clips, Mac, Max hosted. So it had to have been the oh, first really? year. Right and and he dressed up. He dressed up as the devil, naturally. <laughs> yes, um, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, so they, I guess it's from, from Halloween number one. So the first one. I, you know what I think, though? 
I think like there were there was a time where the the, the costumes they they wouldn't act in character. Mm-hmm. They, we would just like they would give their straight takes right. in costume, right? Right. Now it's it's everyone commits to the character of who they're playing. It, and it's become a whole theatrical they, performance. Yeah, they answer as the character, and it's it's become um, it, it's become amazing. Mm-hmm. And I knew Josh is, 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 you know, he's a catalyst for a lot of the ideas for, for our Halloween show. So I'm just, Josh, you can kind of expand on how we do it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I probably spend the most time thinking about it hmm. and stressing over it and having stressful dreams about it and just generally being a mess about it. But <laughs> it is fun because it comes from everywhere. Like the great ideas come from everywhere. Like I think our favorite thing this year was Scott Hansen uh, yeah. with George. Sedano and uh and that was Jeff's idea and it just like it just absolutely we heard Jeff said it and we all like just went on it right um and I think you know Aaron had a great idea with Frank a couple years ago I, like not that Aaron only had one great idea but like the Frank cutout thing I remember Aaron you said and I was like I don't know and then it ended up being like absolutely a monster hit um <laughs> we just like we just like everyone contributes with great ideas and I, I do think that I, I would be it would be interesting to go back and look at it, but I would imagine that Izzy is probably to credit and or blame for <laughs> the, the full like, you know, acting it out thing. I don't remember it being a thing before that, but he just took it to such another level. And then Sarah certainly, you know, kind of like helping out too. Um, I think they've really led the charge on those things. And now it's something that panelists want to do and expect to do and and come ready, ready for it. I got a, I got a text from Israel uh, after the show because I just you know I told him that uh, you know just another wonderful performance and he said it is an honor to be on the Halloween show. I love <laughs> and it. And I'm like, what? I love it. <laughs> That's amazing well, because so, it really is. It, it really is amazing to, to to know that the panelists have committed to this 100 percent, 150 percent when they do it. And I don't know I, I don't know how it happened, but it it is really. Uh, it's probably you know the favorite show of our viewers every year for sure. So George Sedano, I'll tell you this behind the scenes. George Sedano, when we finished the taping on Monday, said, "With this wig, I think I already know what I can do next year." So he was like, <laughs> the day of was already thinking about it for 365 days away and like ready to get going on it. It is. It has become performance art from everybody. And it's yeah. funny. I did. I saw Izzy at the Heat game like just a few days before. And it was the first question that I asked him was, are you doing the Halloween episode this year? Like I wanted to be sure that he was on there because it's become such a big thing. Him and Sarah and everybody else. It's it's so fun to to watch them step up. Um, I do have to bring this to Miami briefly. Um Caroline, I'm sorry, this is ultimately going to exclude you because I want to talk about what it was like during the big three era uh, to do around the horn. I feel like of all of the things that have happened in Miami over the last 20 years or so, that's kind of the only one that has been a major national talking point on a relatively daily basis for a while there. Um, When the big three was going on, is there any sort of comparative either team or storyline that was as... I don't want to say polarizing because there's been a ton of polarizing maybe individuals, but yeah, I guess a team that's been as polarizing to where it did become the top of the A block almost every day like that. I feel like the Patriots were kind mm. of right up there um, a lot. Yeah. Um, I feel like um, any, any team LeBron played for <laughs> is really, you know, in addition to the heat, Certainly I feel since. like uh, LeBron kind of moves the needle um, whenever, 
whatever he says, wherever and wherever he plays. Um, but you're right that, that that big three back in Miami that that was that was big time. And um, you know there was always you know was LeBron going to win that title um, with that team and 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 that was always you know sort of what we were hanging on. And you know we look we get off on you know kind of rooting against the favorite. You know. Right. Rooting right. against uh, Goliath, and I think you know Miami kind of gave that to to us, and it just you know it just gave us material, a lot of it. Yeah, I think you just throw up your hands and thank you know whoever that you get to cover. I mean, like it was a gift, you know. Like there are a lot of days where putting a show together is it's hard to put together nine topics when you're doing five shows in a row that you know are unique or interesting or newsworthy that will, that will make our fans happy. So when you have something like LeBron and and putting together a super team to that level, it's a gift because you get so many stories out of it, not just the way they did it, right? Like that was a in the middle of the summer is usually a really dry period without NFL. So I don't remember what the specific day was, but I remember it was like sometime in July, right? When he did the Boys and Girls Club mm-hmm. and then they had the big, uh, the big party, not one, not two, not three. Yeah. Like those, th- that was gold for us. We we got a lot of play out of not one, not two. We yeah. played that over and over and over. And they had that big win streak that year. I feel like they won like twenty in a row or something. Maybe it was the first year or the second year. Yeah, I think it was the it could I think it was the third year actually. But okay. I remember the first year you also had like twenty games in. LeBron bumped into Spo after a timeout, and yeah. that was a big one for a couple of weeks. Uh, it, it's funny because coming from obviously the the local perspective from Miami, we were all constantly like so frustrated that the Heat were the A block of every single show all the time and being discussed because everybody was just like, "Oh, we want to win." And then finally, when there was a championship, then it was you know cocky Heat fan that still is photoshopping every great player uh in the league to potentially yeah we also kind of lean into the uh the alleged fair weather nature of the miami fan yeah we 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 enjoyed that too that element of it well in defense of one miami fan i do feel like i lived through the big big three era twice there was the first time and then the summer that i interned with you jeremy (laughs) because it was we started interning right when the nba finals started that uh-huh. year and it uh-huh. was lebron's championship with the Cavs. Yeah, it was. And i don't think i've ever seen like just a more broken-hearted person for a whole month basically. it's really funny because i kind of <laughs> block that out in my mind um the whole concept of rooting so desperately hard for the warriors because i'm so oh, i'm so like past it now but it really was it was all i was doing was rooting for the warriors i kind of forgot that, that, when that did was the that heat summer culture uh when did that come to be the heat culture when did it come to be um so first yeah. of all on this podcast we believe in the heat culture second okay. of all <laughs> second it's of all creation. uh i do i do think that um right about right after lebron james left was the time that the okay. discussion began of like hey let, let's talk about that culture that you know won a couple championships and, and everything right. of the like um but it is it's cool you know you still see obviously that or, uh, around the arena quite a bit and that's become you know the main the main talking point when you talk about the heat um but it is it's crazy to think that they were you know such a a center focal point for so many shows um for so long but like you guys said i mean lebron james sort of carries everybody there um i do have other things but i i don't want to keep you guys that much longer so i have just a, a couple more um quick things here for you in honor of 
of a 20 year anniversary, I wanted to give each of you 20 seconds um, <laughs> to, to share your personal favorite sports memory. Um, so Ooh. I will, I will filibuster for a second so that you guys can have time to think about yours. Um, for me, one of my personal favorite sports memories is just a couple of years ago, getting to take my brother to college game day in a year where I had just graduated, um, from the university of central Florida. He was about to go to the university of central Florida and knowing that we were getting to share that together. He was off on his journey. I had just finished mine. It was a super fun experience. And of course, you know, UCF won a football game, so that's always fun too. Whoever wants to start this one can start with their uh, personal favorite sports memory, and I will put you on the clock. It, was this an in-person thing or any time? Anything. Thing? It could be anything. Okay. I can take it. I'll take it from you. All right. As soon as you start talking, I'm going to put 20 seconds on the clock. So My favorite sports memory ever was the 2004 Red Sox. Uh, I am from outside Boston. I lived through in college the heartbreak of 2003. I watched that Aaron Boone home run with a buddy who was visiting out of town. 2004 didn't feel like it was going to work. We were down 03. Everyone knows the story. But uh, just coming back, that was that was the best thing I'd ever seen. This is a much better idea in my head than it is in terms of execution because I'm really rushing yeah, you guys. Yeah, there's 23 seconds. There's 23 <laughs> seconds there, Josh. Now we know what our panelists feel like in showdown. Yeah. We're the ones yelling at our panelists. That's why I wanted to do this. It's good. It's a good exercise. That's why I always laugh when I tell our panelists, uh, you have 10 seconds for your answer. Like that's going to happen. Right. Ever, <laughs> ever. Well, that that's sort of why I did it the way that I did it, because, you know, obviously with FaceTime, they're getting somewhere from 20 to 30 seconds. And that is uh, clearly not an easy one to do. Yeah, it's um, but if you guys just want to quickly share, just because I'd love for people to have sort of the background of, of what your guys sort of sports feelings are there. So um, whoever wants to go next, I, I, I won't put you on the clock, uh, but we can pretend it's 20 seconds. It's embarrassing and triumphant at the same time is uh, when the Capitals finally won a Stanley Cup. And I happened to be at a Florida Georgia Line concert. <laughs> so that's my th it's that, both. that's my favorite sports memory. It's like the, the team that I've you know, been following since I was a little kid finally win it. And I was at Meriwether Post Pavilion watching Florida Georgia Line rocking out. At, le at least you were at a concert. I, uh, I recently, a couple of years ago, when Dwayne Wade came back to the Heat, um, the Warriors were in town. It was Wade's final season. And uh, <laughs> I was sent to shoot around um, before the game to get sound bites from Steve Kerr and Steph Curry about Dwayne Wade and his legacy and the whole thing. And our news director, our sports director rather said, hey, I, you know, you can have a media seat for the game if you'd like. And I was like, look, there's going to be more Dwayne Wade games. There's a few more the rest of the year. You know, no big deal. I'm going to go. I have laundry to do. I'm going to go home and just watch the game from home. And that was the night Dwayne Wade hit a buzzer beating three pointer uh, to beat the Golden State Warriors, who were the defending champions in his final huge moment in a Miami Heat uniform, a career that I watched every second of. Um, and now I'm admitting to an audience full of Heat fans that I but your laundry was did done not. Attend. But my laundry was done and I was yeah. stress free. <laughs> Uh, uh, Caroline, did you want to go with your sports moment? I was going to say the 2012 Final Four. Kentucky Wildcats were in it. I was begging my dad to go. They were playing Louisville in that Final Four game. And I always say my dad loves Kentucky, but he hates Louisville more than he loves me. <laughs> and he could not stand the thought of like going and losing to Louisville in the Final Four. So we watch it at home. We win. Buzzer goes off. 
my dad says, okay, get in the car. We're going to New Orleans. Amazing. So he went down there. He uh, got tickets for me and my brother and was like, I'll just watch at a bar. And then by like halftime, maybe we looked down, we're up in the nosebleeds, looked down. Like, is that dad down <laughs> on the court? Still have no idea how he got in, but they won. It was incredible. It was my favorite That's amazing. night ever, probably. Uh, two things there. First of all, uh, I, the only reason I know how to pronounce Louisville is because of Caroline. There we go. Louisville. Um, <laughs> That's it. <laughs> and, and second of all, let, let's note that uh, Caroline gets to be both a Kentucky Wildcats basketball fan and Alabama Crimson Tide football yeah, fan. Yeah, some, so, yeah. some question that. Some question how that gets to work. But I, I have a degree from one and grew up with the other. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty pretty great life over there. Uh, and Jeff, do you want to wrap that? Sure. Uh, 2004 World Series. My mom got me out of school early, game five. Uh, my dad said, hey, take these tickets. You'll, it was the, they had just won the night before. Take these tickets. They're going to lose. Enjoy the last game of the season. This was the 14-inning game, Ortiz double. Lost it, went crazy in the crowd. It was the best live sport moment I've ever been a part of. That's incredible. I cannot imagine yeah. what that environment was like in that moment. I got one more I want to share. Please. So, um, I, I w was, uh, fortunate enough before around the horn, the year before around the horn, I, I, um, traveled with the wizards, okay. um, as like a, you know, a graphics producer. And we would actually travel with the team on the team plane, team bus, et cetera. And it was the year that it was Jordan's first year there, Michael Jordan. And, um, I remember that he, he hit a buzzer beater to beat the Phoenix Suns in Phoenix. And we were waiting for, we basically had to wait for him, you know, right. to, to get out of the, uh, the media scrum. And I remember him coming onto the bus and, and he had a bottle of crown and a big fat stogie. And he came in and he was like, how'd that feel? And, oh. um, and he like, he walked to the back of the bus and he patted me on the shoulder and I thought I was going to die. <laughs> if it had ended right That's there amazing. i was gonna be cool that would that. have been fine you would have been <laughs> yeah. satisfied with it yeah i was cool with that so yeah that was that was pretty cool but all of these moments do show kind of what shapes you guys as sports fans right ultimately before becoming the people that you are working with in sports and creating a show that sort of lasted through look through my childhood and into adulthood and and has impacted a number of different people um my final segment that i have for you guys before i ask you to wrap it up um, I'm going to go to each of you with one stereotypical sports topic on a buy or sell. So, Aaron, we'll start with you. Buy or sell, Tom Brady is the greatest winner of all time. I'm going to buy that. I think uh, Tom has uh, proven not with, just one, not with just one team, but with two teams, that he can win a championship. And, um, you know, even though <clears throat> he may be having a down year now, um he's th those down years have been few and far between so i am buying tom brady i love it i also love the ability to answer within the exact window that you would want your panelists to answer tight, man. that's remark i love it uh jeff buy or sell lebron james is better than michael jordan oh god <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> why this question uh i'm going to sell i i, I gotta sell uh, Michael Jordan is the GOAT. Michael Jordan changed the game. Michael Jordan is the best basketball player. Uh, I, you, were, you guys still hate 
You still hate LeBron? In um, I'm indifferent. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm indifferent. I'm, 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 I'm buying Jordan. Just, <laughs> I just need some fans. That's I all. love it. I love it. <laughs> uh, Josh, buy or sell, Tiger Woods will win another major. Oh, that is a, a big time sell. Um, we did do on our, when he won the masters last time, we yeah. put together a whole thing about all the people on our show who told us he yep. would never win again. That's but why I brought I it do, up. I can't imagine a world where he could win a major. I would love to be wrong about that, but, uh, I haven't seen anything since the injuries that would lead me to think that he could do that. I, it just doesn't seem physically able anymore. I'm so excited that I have this now recorded for whenever it inevitably happens. Uh, and Caroline, the last one for you, buy or sell. Barry Bonds and other steroid cheats should be in the Hall of Fame. Ooh. Oh, hell yeah. Buy that. Yeah. 100%. I don't even, I don't even know what I'm arguing against at this point <laughs> because I feel like any sane person believes they should at least in some way, shape, or form be enshrined in the Hall of Fame. Just a little asterisk. We love it. That's why I asked you the question. Wanted to be sure I got the right answer. Uh, I thought you were we... going to ask her if Nick Saban, buy or sell Nick Saban should be bronzed. <laughs> well, I, I, it, the, the he already only, is. The only other two that right. I had. He, yeah, he actually is. That's insane. He already is. A, living, a literal living legend. The only other two that I had were um, buy or sell preferring Tebow mania to Linsanity and uh, buy or sell UCF was a 2017 national champion. All right, so we move mute. on from there. <laughs> mute, mute. Uh, yeah, see, that's when the mute button no. would be needed. The, the final thing to leave uh, leave this show with is I just wanted you guys to, to be able to take a second, um, each of you, um, to just put out there what, what you think or what you hope the impact of Around the Horn has been through 20 years um, and when you hope it it can continue to be. So if we want, we can go in in sort of uh, ascending order of who's been here the longest, starting with Aaron. So if you'd like to start, um, you know, the floor is yours. Well, you know, I, since we've been um, putting together this 20th anniversary show, it has become quite clear that um, the impact that the show has had on our panelists has been immense it has you know changed a number of people's lives from what they've told us and that is just, that just blows me away that you know a, a tv show can can have that effect um i did not think that for one second that it would have that kind of effect um, but it has and i've also seen from our viewers and you know i i speak to a lot of people I speak to a lot of classes um, uh, in, in, you know, for school, uh, for universities. Um, some professors ask me to do um, from time to time. And the feedback we get from them is that, you know, since they were kids, you know, little, little kids, they would come home and it would be like the first thing that they would put on. And, you know, that's how they, they grew to, to um, learn sports um, and to appreciate sports. And that is is incredibly gratifying. And, I, and I'm thankful for every day that um, that uh, we're able to do it. And, you know, what makes it so special is that every show is different every day. And um, and if you love what you do and you're able to make an impact with the people that you're, um, you know, doing it for, then that's everything to me. Josh. Yeah, I, I'm going to take a different tone here. That was very sweet, Aaron. <laughs> um, <laughs> something that I hope is that, uh, 
like, look, we live in a world where like snark is really easy and, and all that stuff. I, you know, I hope that people see us as a show that has evolved from what it used to be. It's very easy to look at early versions of this show and be like, they're so loud. They just shout over each other. They're, they make no sense. They're so stupid, whatever. Like, I, I would only want to give credence to that being true then, but like, that's just such an easy thing to point at without, if you don't want to watch the way the show is now, the show mm. over 20 years has changed massively. Um, and I, again, I don't want to like besmirch the beginning of the show. Shows take time to figure it out. Like the show now is like, is smart, is caring. We have tons of people on the show from all sorts of, uh, backgrounds. They grew up in backgrounds. They covered the way they entered the industry. Um, we have all these awesome voices on our show who are thoughtful, who take the time, who, you know, are celebrated in a lot of other places, either because of where they came from with us or, you know, the, however. Um, and I think that we're a really great sports show. And, you know, I, I 20 years is an, a remarkable amount of time to stay on. And, and if you can keep adapting, uh, I hope people will take a look if they haven't taken a look in a while or will remember, uh, you know, what what we're offering now and uh, and judge us on that stuff, too, and not just the, the easy tropes. For sure. Jeff? Around the Horn was the show that I would come home from during high school, middle school, watch. And I would listen and I would memorize stats that people would bring up. And I'd take those and I'd bring it to my friends and I'd use those as, as my arguments. You know, I'd steal their arguments. Now I feel like we're hearing from so many people, so many different voices that I would love people just to find someone that they like, find a voice that they like, go read what they're writing, go listen to what they're producing, go listen to what they listen to. And, and I think it's such a good um, springboard for opening your mind to different voices and different views. And we have so many people, we have like 20 active panelists right now. It's crazy that we have that many voices talking on a daily basis. And I just, you know, encourage everyone to, you know, watch the show, watch our 20th anniversary show, see how far we've come and, and, you know, it, it enjoy it for what it is because it's a very special thing. If that made any sense. <laughs> it did make sense. It was great. Um, and Caroline? Um, yeah. I, what I was going to say is actually kind of similar to Jeff, because uh, I have been watching the show since I was seven years old and my like kid brain doesn't remember much from that time. But I yep. feel like the lasting image of like 2002, 2003 around the horn for me is Jackie McMullen. Mm -hmm. She was my favorite. It's like ingrained in my memory. She's the reason that I watched. And now since I've been here, we probably had, you know, 15 new young panelists join since i've been here and i hope that you know either young people or people around our age are watching them and having the same kind of uh getting the same kind of impact from the people on our show because um i think for younger viewers like you or i when mm -hmm. we were growing up watching this had that and yeah just hope it endures yeah i mean we're not so young now huh well, yeah. we don't have to say that part. <laughs> no, I mean, guys, obviously, um, 
you know, from my perspective, um, I, I haven't decided if I'm going to include this in the intro or not, so I'll say it here as well. Um, but for those who don't know, I actually interned with Around the Horn um, back in 2016. That's how I got to meet all of these wonderful people. Um, and the impact that that this show, in a general sense, in terms of being a little kid and watching Tony and going, oh, man, that looks fun. I want to do something like that to then ultimately ending up with you guys and and learning truly like all of all of the basis that I had for production to then be able to move forward and do so in college and move on and, and take that to the professional world. It all starts like right with this group of four people right here, Caroline, who I interned with and working alongside Josh, Jeff and Aaron. And so I'm eternally grateful for the impact you guys have had on me. Um, but I know that that's the case for a ton of other people my age, older and younger who have watched the show and had a constant, um, you know, like warm blanket that they could snuggle up with no matter how much it was evolving. That's sort of the the feeling that you can get from the show, the comfort of turning on ESPN at five o'clock and having it there. Um, and so I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful for you guys. Um, and also super thankful for this conversation because this is like the coolest thing ever for me. I have other questions that I've wanted to get to, but we've been talking for over an hour. Um, so maybe I'll just ask you guys those and bug you um, off camera. But thank you to the four of you for joining uh, this episode of Miami Miked Up. I will put all of your socials out there if you want them followed. If you don't want them followed, just tell me that. Um, and uh, to the four of you, thank you. Um, and for everyone else, watch the episode of around the horn that is airing today um on their 20 year watch anniversary all of them. watch every single episode <laughs> of around the horn moving forward every day five o'clock espn and also um ultimately the 20th anniversary special that i know will be incredible um thank you to the four of you for joining me today well, on Jeff, before we go, wasn't jeremy the guy that fell asleep in the video room that one time that wasn't him no, <laughs> i have video proof i have proof oh okay me falling asleep me no, falling asleep kidding. jeremy uh, you were ter- you were a terrific intern in fact you know you were so good that at, since the pandemic we haven't brought the internship program back but mm. you know between you and caroline and the, and the great people that we've had in before i, I want to bring it back because you know that that's how you find great video production talent is people mm. like you people like caroline who come through wanting to learn and you were one of those people that uh you know, just ha- y- you were a sponge as soon as you got in here. We were a pretty fire duo. Yeah, we were. Fire. I'm not going to lie. We did a pretty good job. We, if we, if we did a great. No, thank you, Aaron. I really appreciate that. Um, Other than the day that I was late because I got stuck, literally stuck in a dorm room that broke a handle. But that's a story for another time. <laughs> um, Thank you guys for joining me uh, today on Miami Mic'd Up. Thank you for listening to Bally Sports Florida's Miami Mic'd Up with me. Jeremy Taché. And a special thank you to our national sponsor in Southeast Toyota. Visit your local Toyota dealers or toyota.com today and take advantage of the amazing deals on their full line of vehicles. No matter your destination, Toyota goes with you. Toyota, let's go places.